Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pado. This week's review or today's review is for Lovebirds, the Paramount Pictures film that was meant to be released in cinemas, but unfortunately due to COVID-19, was placed on Netflix, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It was a film that I probably wouldn't have gone out of my way to watch in the theatres, but it's something that I'm also happy that I had the chance to watch. So, Without further ado, let's just get stuck into it. Um, this is my review of Love Birds or The Love Birds. You are unbelievable. Looks like love has finally found me. I love you. Police officer, he's a criminal. Move, move. So The Lovebirds was directed by Michael Showalter and stars Isa Ray, Kamal Nun. All right. So The Lovebirds was directed by Michael Showalter and stars Isa Ray, Kamal Nunjani, and follows a couple played by Isa Ray and Kamal Nunjani uh, ex- as they experience a defining moment in their relationship when they are unintentionally embroiled in a murder mystery. Now, this was a film that I, like I said, I wasn't going to check this one out in cinemas, but I did check it out because it was placed directly on Netflix and I had the chance to see it. It's a film that I guess has the elements of something that I would be looking forward to. Michael Showalter is someone who I appreciate greatly. He directed uh, The Big Sick with Kanal Nunjani as well, which I absolutely adore that movie. I think it's fantastic. Um, and it was one of my favourites in 2017 when it came out. Uh, he's also starred in Wet Hot American Summer as well, and I've always loved that show and that film. I think they're fantastic. It's so stupid, but it's so entertaining. 
Um, and I guess those aspects put together was something that I was intrigued about. But like I said, it wouldn't be something I would necessarily rush out and go and see in the cinemas. Now, the term dumped on Netflix is something we hear a fair bit. And that's normally when a studio has a film. They're not really looking to release it cinematically because either they've done test screenings and it's terrible or they just don't really want to release it under their own brand. And Netflix normally pick up a lot of those titles and put them on their streaming servers. Tang Cloverfield Lane from... Um, Tang Cloverfield Lane, sorry. Tang, that's a fantastic movie. Tang Cloverfield Paradox, which is a terrible movie, the third installment in the Cloverfield franchise, was in the same boat and by Paramount Studios once again. And what happened there was that the film ended up being tested and screened for test audiences and everyone's like, oh, this movie's not very good. So then Netflix are like, we'll take it because it's got a recognisable brand name under the Cloverfield brand and we can release it and hopefully people will tune in. Worked out for them um, after a clever marketing campaign and everything. It ended up doing quite well um, for the streaming service and I think there's a fourth Cloverfield in the workings with Netflix at the moment as well. So that's an example of where it can work. Um, and I guess under the certain circumstances at the moment, a lot of studios are looking to make a quick buck with a lot of these titles because they're not going to get a cinematic release. So we had Scoob most recently, um, the Scooby-Doo animated film, was placed directly on streaming, or not on streaming services, but directly on demand. And I'd say it will be made available on HBO Max as it launches next week. So I feel that this film sort of fell into that category where it was sort of stuck in limbo. Not too many people were hankering to see Lovebirds. The trailer has about 3.7 million views, I think, when I looked at it um, on YouTube. So obviously I had enough attention that it would have probably made at the box office maybe $25 million off, I believe, a $6 million... No, it was $15 million budget. So not really a big winner for the for the studio, but they could sell it to Netflix. Netflix would buy it probably at cost so they don't lose any money and they don't have to spend the money marketing it. So it ends up being quite a good pro a business proposition for Netflix. But that's all the logistics and the background aside. What did I think of Lovebirds? Lovebirds is something that I was, yeah, like I said, I was iffy on, but I think the trailer really... It, it didn't really do it for me. It had a lot of juvenile jokes and a lot of easy jokes. And there are a lot of times where that just doesn't really work for me. I do know that romantic comedies can work for some people on that real basic humour level. But for me, I need something to make me laugh. And this film made me chuckle a few times, especially at the end. There's a great zinger. But yeah, it just sort of failed to really hit that level for me. But the things that did work for me were the chemistry between the two leads. The two leads have great chemistry with one another and I found them both really enjoyable. And Johnny is a great comedic force at the moment and a great actor as well. I love to see him do more with director Michael Showalter, but maybe under a different vise. Maybe Kanal Nanjani could write another screenplay like he did with The Big Sick and we could get something a bit more personal and a bit more layered, I suppose, than what we got with The Lovebirds. Even incorporate some of Nanjani's fantastic stand-up comedy. He's such a great comedian. It would be really cool to see some of that, um, I guess, play out in, in a film because it doesn't really feel like it's his brand of comedy or his brand at all um, when some of his films come out. Um, Stuber was another classic example where it was the most basic juvenile level of humour it didn't feel like his own brand of humour. And I think that as a comedian, he could really bring that to a film and it could really work. And I think with a director like Michael, Michael Showalter, it could actually be a really good thing. But unfortunately, it just didn't really, it didn't really shine through in his humour. But his chemistry with Isa Rae was really good. 
Uh, the premise itself, whilst generic in nature, the weird culty stuff um, related in the mystery were quite cool and different. I really liked that it was something different. Um, so essentially it ends up being some weird cult. They're environmental activists and they're working with a cult with sex cult and stuff. It was really strange, but I found it to be quite funny and a lot of the jokes did come from that aspect. Um, there's a great scene where Nanjani and Ray break into a... Um, it's like these college um, kids who are who are working with these drug lords and they're pretty much just partying but also sending out invites to this weird sex party that's happening. Um, and I found the back and forth between the characters there quite funny and I did like the setup there as well. Um, but more of that kind of... Uh, really absurd and obscure humour would have been, I think, better suited for this type of comedy rather than the basic jokes that we get. Um, but yeah, I, I thought the premise itself was quite fun. The fact the movie addresses plot holes in this genre as well, the whole time they're on the run from the cops but they aren't wanted suspects because the cops know they didn't do it. Uh, it's such a great twist on the cliche that has plagued crime dramas for years and it's really good that they actually address that i didn't expect a film like this to have that kind of layer there in regards to being a bit more self-aware essentially what happens is the cops are after them they think the cops are after them the whole movie but they just want to get a witness statement because cctv footage has them not placed as the killers they know that they were carjacked and they're not wanted um so i thought that was quite funny because a majority of the time you just think you guys would get off easy because you're not guilty but here it actually addresses that, and I thought it was quite entertaining. Uh, the payoffs as well, there were some great payoffs in the film. The two of them arguing at the start of the film and then arguing at the end. It was nice to see a complete character and story arc between those two, and I thought that was quite good and quite um, entertaining. They're arguing at the start, and their argument at the start is quite funny because it feels like a real petty couple's argument, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, and it pays off at the end where the two of them are arguing and they end up getting rid of the bad guy um due to their arguing and it was quite entertaining i thought that was a good payoff um there are some negatives like i mentioned the cliched easy jokes a lot of the comedy goes for the simplest joke possible the film doesn't try to break new ground which is a hard um which is hard for a romantic comedy to do but it would have been nice if they tried to do that a little more um the villain itself as well the villain was underdeveloped cliched and quite boring uh, with that kind of role, you need a bit of a stunt casting move there, an actor who can steal a bit of the limelight. Um, as bad as the movie Coffee and Cream was, and I can see a lot of comparisons between these two, and that film was actually directed from the guy who directed Stuba um, and starred Ed Helms. I thought Ed Helms was quite entertaining in the film, but Betty Gilpin's villain was insanely over the top and annoying at times, but at least she went for it. This villain here just feels very bland and generic, and he really doesn't offer anything to the story where I feel like Betty Gilpin really went for it in that film. She's like, I'm going balls to the wall, batshit insane. You're either on board with it or you're not. But I, for me, that worked, and I think a bit of that here would have been good. Um, but yeah, that's The Lovebirds. Here's my verdict. The Lovebirds follows in the footsteps of many date night related films, but the likable leads, fun premise, and the diversion of some genre tropes uh, made the film a lot more enjoyable than what I was expecting. I'm going to give The Lovebirds a 6 out of 10. Like I mentioned, guys, this isn't a great film, but I think it's better than a lot of these dumped on Netflix titles. And I think that with these cast, uh, th this cast of characters in this director, there could have been something a little better there, but at the same time, it's better than a lot of these types of comedies. So I found The Lovebirds relatively enjoyable. 
But that brings this review to a close, guys. So this was just a brief one, but I thought it's out now on Netflix. A lot of people probably haven't seen it or heard of it, so why not recommend it? I had a bit of fun watching it. So, yeah, might as well check it out, guys, if you get the chance. And I'm still uh, working on some other reviews. I'll have a review for Guns Akimbo coming up, as well as some reviews for some other titles later in the month of June. Um, I'll finally have a chance to see Bloodshot once it's released on Blu-ray. I'm going to pick up Sonic the Hedgehog as well, just so I can do some reviews for you guys. I also had a chance to finally see Doolittle. Um, I have some thoughts. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to discuss it in depth or how I'm going to go about it, but yeah, I do have some thoughts about that film. But thank you all for listening, guys, and until next time, peace out.